This episode is sponsored by Code Health. Code connects healthcare providers to the largest community of medical coding professionals in the country with over 4,600 domestic certified coders. As a single stop for all coding needs, Code's on-demand model has solved for daily staffing challenges and coding inefficiencies by allowing providers to access the right coder at the right time while gaining insights to better manage their coding operations. To learn more about Code, visit CodeHealth.com, that's K-O-D-E Health.com, or email Code directly at partnerships at CodeHealth.com. Hello, and welcome to Voices in Healthcare Finance. I'm Erica Grotto. We're taking a little break for this last bit of 2019, so today we're rerunning segments from a couple of our most popular episodes. In the Future of Revenue Cycle Parts 1 and 2, Eric Reese interviews Nicholas Mendica of the University of Virginia Health System Medical Center. But first, I want to tell you about an exciting brand new HFMA event happening this spring. I'm very happy to welcome to the HFMA studio our Senior Vice President of Content Strategy and Delivery, Mary Mirabelli. Welcome, Mary. Thank you, Erica. Happy to be here. So today we are talking about an exciting new event for HFMA happening next April in Denver, the first Financial Sustainability Summit. We are super excited about this new event. One of the things that we have consistently heard from our executives around the country is that balancing revenue growth and cost management are pretty important. And we've seen again and again that there are a number of different strategies that our executives are really employing to really sustain their organizations long term. So as we've listened to all of our constituencies and all of our members around the country, we really felt like it was time to put it all together so that we can really educate our executives and help them think through the strategies that will make a difference and make their organizations sustainable for the foreseeable future. People can expect to walk away with some very specific strategies that they could then take home and put into their own strategic agenda as they think about how they create sustainability for their organization. So one of the things that we want to make sure happens in this event is that it's not at a super high strategic level, but that it's enough to see real-life strategies and tactics that our CFOs and other finance executives have employed to keep themselves strong and healthy and keep their organization strong and healthy. And I think the other thing that's interesting about the agenda and how we've thought about it is that uh, we believe folks need a pretty diversified portfolio of strategies. So there's clearly cost management, there's acquisition, there's merger activity, there is diversification, there is starting to think about investments and innovation. We really believe there's all kinds of ways that we have seen many really great folks around the country use, again, to assure that they have financial sustainability for their organization. We'll be telling you more about the Financial Sustainability Summit in the coming weeks, so stay tuned for information about where to register. Is your organization a high performer in revenue cycle? Earn the recognition you deserve with a MAP Award from HFMA. 
My name's Christy Pahanage. I'm the Associate Vice President of Revenue Management Operations at Geisinger. We pride ourselves on the MAP Award, having received it 12 times. Geisinger takes a lot of pride in our results. Our team is very dedicated to the metrics, looking at what's getting measured and making sure that we're able to deliver results for the organization. Find out more about HFMA's MAP Award by visiting hfma.org slash MAP Award. Consumerism in healthcare and the transition from fee-for-service to fee-for-value are changing the way health systems strategize in several areas, including the revenue cycle. Today on the podcast, Eric Reese speaks with Nicholas Mendica, CFO of the University of Virginia Health System Medical Center, about the way these forces are reshaping the traditional revenue cycle and how healthcare organizations can respond. The revenue cycle function has evolved uh, largely over the past uh, several years, and I think where we sit today is revenue cycle teams are much more integrated with operations. We're moving more of those kind of traditional revenue cycle functions into uh, the front end space, and you know we're really having more shared discussion forums with operational leadership. There's more revenue cycle representation on project teams, and we're changing the way we approach our work, both within our core function and in partners with our operational colleagues, our charge master maintenance, our pricing build. You know, with that, we're increasing engagement with providers. We're seeking input with more frequency. We're providing more on-the-spot education around the importance and the nature of some of our work. And really, the big focus has been, I think, from a revenue cycle standpoint, the understanding on how their work translates to the patient experience, how it's how it makes their uh, ability to the ease of navigation within the system, and then how it relates to the overall patient experience uh, that we provide to patients. And, and so, uh, you know, I think there's just bringing revenue cycle into to the table in a way that that maybe in the past and forming strategic planning and, and financial planning in a way that that maybe some organizations haven't haven't looked to their revenue cycle teams for in the past. Right. So there's greater coordination between the clinical side and the revenue it, cycle. It's a necessity. I think that continuum has has expanded in terms of its length. It's, it was much more consolidated within the revenue cycle space historically. And now those activities span a much greater breadth of personnel within a system. You've got schedulers and pre-authorization and folks who collect patient and financial information. You have people who drop charges and you have people who code and you then know, you have people who collect. And, you know, some of those will always maintain core revenue cycle functions. But I think some of the functions on the front end are really shifting into operational accountabilities uh, because there's just such a focus on service that's not the clinical care we provide, but the service and the experience a patient gets by by uh, interacting with our business. That means that there's got to be a lot of coordination between the clinical side and the revenue cycle team, I would guess. Increasing, yeah. I think there's always opportunity for improvement there. I've kind of spoken in other forums before and uh, have shared that, you know, you get the question of how do you think the conversation of, of cost and value change. I mean, I, I can envision a point in time maybe in the near future, maybe not so near future, where predominant conversations around cost of care happening at the point of care, not within a secondary conversation with a revenue cycle person. I don't think that's out of the realm of of possibility. I think one effect of increased price transparency is the most obvious time to have that conversation is actually when you're getting the service delivered. Of course, unless you're in a critical situation or under anesthesia. But, you know, if you're in an outpatient setting or an elective procedure, unless the model is to have your financial representatives in the room with you, which I don't think anybody really wants, 
I see that, that we're going to have to find ways to be able to communicate with patients probably through the, the mouths of our providers a little bit more effective than we are today. And I talk to providers about that quite a bit. And, you know, there's a, that's a daunting, a daunting vision, uh, which I don't know if it's so far out of bounds. Are you getting the sense that a lot of them are just not comfortable with that? Is it a it's learning not their curve? Core competency. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. no, it's not, it's not what we want our doctors to do. It's not what we set forth our nurses to do. I think that, you know, they're trained to be experts in what they do and, and other aspects of the organization are trained to be experts in what they do. And in an ideal world, that becomes the effective way to run a business. But that's, that's just not realistic for healthcare. There's so much interdisciplinary understanding that's needed. And I think the, the context of everyone's role in, in the system is, you know, that awareness is just is just increasing. So, uh, yeah, do I think it's uncomfortable? Maybe for some, maybe not for others. Is it something I want to do? I think universally, you know, I don't think anybody really wants to have that conversation uh, when their passion is to provide healthcare. But when you start to to translate a patient's financial responsibility to the value that you're providing as a caregiver, and translate that also, and understand that financial wellness is part of overall wellness. There's a lot of research that shows the mental and stress effects of patients, families, financial well-being on their overall well-being. You're starting to see those connections and those those relationships and understanding of providers say, hey, look, this is one piece of a big puzzle. And how we address that and how we you know, make that part of what we expect as consumers in, in this industry, I think, is yet to be seen. Uh, and I can see uh, uh, many different ways that this unfolds. But I think the core of it is you know, the revenue cycle teams, the people who really have the core expertise certainly have to find a way to get the right information to the right people, however that conversation unfolds or however that information shared with patients going forward. Can you give me some examples of the specific kinds of changes that are going to be required to deliver meaningful and true price transparency to patients? Yeah, I mean, this is this is where I think many of my contemporaries and, and folks within my organization, we get stuck when we start to address this because we immediately go to what we can control and then you realize quickly that one player in the big system, meaning a provider, can only tackle so much of this conversation. I think, you know, for true meaningful price transparency, I think you start at a macro level and as a consumer base, we need a broader, more consistent education, understanding of what we're really talking about when we say price. And maybe not just from a consumer standpoint, maybe from a, from a legislative standpoint as well. You know, charge, cost, expense, price, reimbursement, financial responsibility, they're all interrelated, but they're all very different. And sometimes when we talk about price transparency, we're not always talking about uh, the same thing. It depends on what lens you're looking through. And it really changes the nature of the discussion and how then we respond to that increasing uh, consumerism. So uh, much of the conversation is around price, but it's through the lens of charges. And, you know, when you're in the financial sector, you know the difference between two. It's something we work with healthcare finance, I should say, something we work around as part of our part of our job. It becomes inherent knowledge. But, you know, we also know that charges is what we have readily available is not what consumers are ultimately responsible for or what providers get paid. Uh, and our third-party payer system makes that complicated. And I'd venture to agree, uh, say that we all agree that what patients really care about is their out-of-pocket responsibility, not really price. But in the same vein, I'd say at the end of the day, um, I'd also contend that we should be caring equally about cost and the fact there's so much disparity in what we all pay for the same services. Um, you know, what something actually costs dictates the price or what we pay. And until we can somehow normalize this 
the noise that is the third-party payer system we have, it's really hard to focus on costs and it's really hard to have meaningful conversation on price transparency. And that's the macro. And that's really where we start to spin around how we address this need and desire for, for price transparency. Right. And um, do you think that consumers are starting to get that? I mean, it's, you know, it sounds like you're saying basically they need to be educated as well. Uh, are we, are we yeah. making some progress? I, I think so. I mean, I, um, and, and I've been on the other side of the equation. I, I've, I've worked for an insurance company and so I see it from both ends. And I, I think what I'm seeing now, and, and I, I love this conversation, you know, I, I think what we're seeing is we're ask, having people ask simple questions. And sometimes simple questions really start to open up much more detailed review of the underlying issue. So things like, I see that my hospital charged me this, but what I'm actually responsible for is significantly less. So what is the difference? You know, simple question. I'm not saying that nobody ever asked that question before, but I think you're starting to understand, you know, these numbers on a page mean something. And when I get these bills and I see all these allocation of responsibility, what the heck's going on with that? I think people are starting to ask what things really cost and how does that relate to what I pay? You know, we've all had scenarios where friends, families, uh, people we know, some people pay a certain amount per month for their health care and other people pay 10 times that through the insurance exchange or through their employer or self-pay or, you know, self-insured. And I think people are starting to ask, why is there so wide disparity? It's all the same service. So, yeah, I do think there's more simple questions being asked. I don't think there is a universal understanding by any stretch of the imagination uh, on what uh, the complexities of, you know, our payment mechanics and our, our charge structures are. I'd be lying to you if I said when I receive a bill as a patient, I'm com- I completely know what I'm looking at. And, you know, I'm a finance leader in a major health system. If I have that thought, I, I just can only imagine what, you know, most people who are out of this industry, you know, are thinking. When you say charges or price or cost or my responsibility, it's all interrelated, but it means something very different. And, you know, when you say, what's the, what do we need to do to get there? I I think we need to have a shared understanding that when we say price transparency, that's just not code for post your charge master because that's not the, that's not the answer to the question. That actually just confuses the issue more. Because, you know, no matter what your charge master looks like, no matter how favorable or unfavorable you think it might be, as an organization, that's not what ultimately gets reflected in terms of your responsibility or your provider's responsibility or uh, your um, employer's responsibility if, you're, if you have a group plan. So, you know, I don't see the, the value in that. And actually, I see it's, it's, it's detrimental if we continue down a path where we don't clarify what we're really trying to accomplish. Um, I think the, you know, the spirit of where we're going as an industry in terms of price transparency is spot on. In any industry, there is no consumer who who wants to be blind to what it is they think they're purchasing or have no transparency into what it costs or what they're getting. There, there's there's no way that anybody in my role or elsewhere I, I I would contend can stand on a podium and say that we just need to continue as we are. But I do think that we need to be really mindful about what we introduce into the lexicon, and knowing that we need to have a shared understanding of what we're talking about. So it's a first step. What we're seeing in the industry now is a first step, and I, and I think that's, that's the way we need to look at it. It's an evolution. Voices in Healthcare Finance is produced by the Healthcare Financial Management Association and written and hosted by me, Erica Grotto. Sound editing is by Linda Chandler. 
Brad Dennison is our Director of Content Strategy. Our President and CEO is Joe Pfeiffer. Please follow us on social media. We're at HFMAORG on Twitter, and you can also find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. And reach out to us with your questions and comments at podcast at HFMA.org.